you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to the book of Deuteronomy. I want to welcome all of our guests. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm honored that you've chosen to, uh, to be with us here at Victory Church today. There's a lot of good churches you passed to drive all the way back in here into this, the back end of this subdivision to this school to have church with us today. So thank you. I'm honored that you're here. Hope and pray that you enjoy our fellowship, our worship, and just enjoy your time um, in service here today. You see, we've introduced another banner into our service, and as we continue to go through these habits, we're going to be bringing them out one at a time and talking about some of the different habits of the church. And today we're talking about habit number three. You say, well, there's only two banners. That's because the leadership banner we do not have, and we're going to get that. Uh, but we do have, the last week we talked about the habit of evangelism. Week number one was, the, was leadership, and we talked about um, how we need to have leadership in the pews, the laity uh, need to, to step up. And that's part of my passion as pastor here at Victory Church is Ephesians chapter 4, where it says that my primary job is to equip and train the laity, the members, for the work of the ministry. All too often we get that reversed in a lot of our churches. We think, well, we pay the pastor a salary, let him do the work of the ministry. Well, that's really not what Scripture teaches. It's my job to teach and train and equip you. So we need leaders to, to rise up through the congregation so that we can have a greater impact in our community for the cause of Christ. So that was habit number one. Habit number two, uh, Brother Darrell spoke about last week in my absence, was talking about evangelism and how we are to reach our community. And our strategy here at Victory is servant evangelism. We call it SE. And we have a lot of different SE events where we go out in our community, everything from gift wrapping in the mall this past Christmas uh, to going over at Scott Air Force Base and having game and dinner night with some of the guys there, washing windshields. What's some other things we've done? Some of you guys took a chainsaw after the big uh, storm that came through last summer and went out and cleaned up some yards and, and sawed up some trees. And, and there's all type of different activities that, that we, we're going to be engaged in throughout the year and that's our evangelism strategy. But it doesn't just stop there. It's not just collectively, corporately coming together and doing evangelism. But it's each and every one of us looking for those opportunities to serve in our own individual lives. And so be aware of that. Uh, this past um, week I was in Walmart and I had to run by and pick up some things. And actually I was with my wife and she was getting groceries. And we got up to check out and the um, the dog food bag was torn. And we didn't see it till we got up to the counter and... And so my wife said, do you guys have someone that can replace this or run back there? She says, no. I'm thinking, where in the world is the customer service going to? So anyhow, I said, okay, I'll go get it. So I run back there. And as I'm going back, there's a, there's a lady in one of those little motorized shopping carts. And she's sitting in that. And, and I saw her navigating that over next to one of the aisles. And I saw her reach up. And she couldn't reach the item there. And she navigated a little bit closer and reached. She couldn't reach it. And finally, she turned it off. She was fixing to get up. And, and this seemed like the, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me. Just, just stay where you are. And so I just told her, I said, just sit where you are. What do you need? And she said, well, I need that and that and that. So I just grabbed a few different items and put them in her cart. And I said, anything else? And no, that's it. Thank you so much. And she said this. She said, you're a godsend. And I thought, boy, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about us being sensitive to the opportunities that cross our, just a little thing, just grabbing something off the shelf for this lady that, that was having difficulty reaching up there. Now, I wish I was 6'7", six, 6'5". Six, Boy, I, I pray, all, God, why couldn't I have been about three, four more? I'm six foot. But you know what? That lady wishes she could have been 
six foot tall to be able to reach that. So I think, God, that's what you've allowed me to be there for. So I'm going to get it. Pay attention to that. That's evangelism. That's showing God's love in a practical way. And every single week, every single day, we want to heighten the awareness of every single one of us so that we can do little random acts of kindness for folks in the love and in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's our evangelism strategy. Today we're talking about habit number three, which is discipleship. Grow. All of us need to be growing. If we're going to have a healthy church, then we must have a church full of believers and Christians that are growing in their faith. And guys, we don't need to apologize for preaching that we need to be reading God's Word and we need to be praying and we need to have devotion time and and we need to be doing some of these things that will help us as individuals to grow in our faith. You see, I hope and pray that, that you're farther down the, long, down, down the road spiritually today than you were last year this time. I hope and pray that you're further down the road spiritually today than you were last week, last month, last year, two years ago. We all should be gaining more and more biblical knowledge and thus allowing us to grow spiritually in our lives. It's very important that we as believers grow. Matter of fact... If we had a child and had a a baby, and that baby did not grow, there would be a problem, wouldn't it? If it didn't grow physically, we'd immediately rush the baby to the doctor and find out what's wrong with my child. He or she is not growing physically. Well, guys, the same thing applies to us spiritually. If we're not growing spiritually as a child of God, then I'm here to tell you there's a problem. There's a problem somewhere. In your heart, in your life, there's a problem. So we realize for Victory Church to be healthy, not only must we have leadership in the laity, not only must we have evangelism or reaching out beyond the four walls of a church building, in our case, a gymnasium, and reaching out to our community, but we must also have discipleship. We must have a strategy in place in which it allows us to grow spiritually. And for Victory Church, the discipleship strategy for us, and take out your sermon notes, by the way, and jot down a few of these things, if you will, please. The discipleship strategy for Victory is D6. You saw the little video that we played earlier, and it talked about how a great percentage of young adults are falling out of church and not returning. And and we've got to do something about that. Well, the greatest thing that we can do is implement a strong discipleship strategy in our church so that we're growing people spiritually. We're growing them. You see, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. We all got to have a starting place somewhere. So our job is, as a church, to take you from wherever you are in life and at that particular moment in time, move you towards the cross. Move you towards a deeper and more intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that through what we call D6, and it's simply where the church is being intentional in connecting the church and the home and bringing those two together. You see, I think far too long. I grew up in a uh, a very large uh, Southern Baptist church, and we were 
We were so segmented. I mean, everything is broken down into compartments and into committees and into different levels. And we would go here and go there. And as soon as you get to church, you're just jockeying off to all different positions. And But that's where we went for our spiritual training. Now, unfortunately, when we come home from that, there is no more spiritual emphasis or training taking place for that particular child. So that's why the catchphrase is, one, one-sixty-eighth is not enough. Now that's a catchy little slogan. But what does it mean? One, one-sixty-eighth is not enough. Well, does it mean that one, one-sixty-eighth is not enough money in the paycheck? Does it mean there's not enough money in the savings account? Does it mean there's not enough hours in the day or voters to vote or hours to sleep or vacation days or gas in the tank or space on the hard drive or songs on the iPod? What does one one sixty eight is not enough mean? What it means is one hour a week is not enough for us to grow spiritually. And that one hour a week for most believers is the Sunday school hour or the small group hour or the discipleship hour, wherever a particular church, for us at Sunday school, wherever that church has that program, that one hour a week is not enough for us to grow spiritually. Would you agree? There's 168 hours in the week. One, 168 is not enough. This week, we're in the process of ordering T-shirts for all of our Sunday school teachers. And we want you to wear these proudly and intentionally, just so that when you wear those, folks will say, what is that? I wore mine into Tom Superette the other week. And I'm in Tom's doing a little shopping. I get up to the register and the lady says, what does that mean? What is one one sixty eighth not enough? What does that mean? And there I had the opportunity to share with her about D6. I shared with her about our uh, discipleship strategy and what we are intentionally trying to do as a church and as believers. And really, it's a very, very Old Testament command, one of the oldest commands in all of Scripture, found all the way back in the, Deut- in the book of Deuteronomy. Brother Daniel came just a moment ago and read the Scripture, how we as parents are to be more intentional in the spiritual aspects of our children's life. Now, I realize for a lot of parents that's difficult. And I realize we may, whoa, I don't know that I'm qualified. I don't know that I can handle that. I don't know that I can do that. You see, we understand that. And that's why we're being intentional as a church to partner up with the home and with parents and help equip and train and give you the resources so that you can overcome the fear of being intentional about the spiritual growth of your family. And that's what D6 is all about. I wonder, I've often thought this, what if parents, what if moms and dads view church in the same way that they viewed their children's secular education or education? What if we viewed church and the spiritual training that takes place in God's house the same way that we viewed Going to school Monday through Friday. You see, sometimes I'm amazed at how parents will send little Johnny to school and that boy is so sick, but you got to get to school. You can't miss so many days. You've got to get in there. You've got to get yourself, as old Jethro used to say, an education. You're going to school today. But when it comes to church, 
If little Johnny has a runny nose, the whole family stays out of church that day. Say amen or oh me, you know what I'm talking about? Why is it that we do that? You know what the problem is? Our priorities are out of order. You see, we want them to succeed in this world, and we know in order to succeed in this world, to have a good job, you've got to get some training. You must get an education. You must get through high school. You must get that GPA. I mean, all this is stuff we preach all the time, do we not? Then you go to college and you work on that degree and you focus on where you're going in life. And then you go specialize in something and you get a master's in something. And then maybe we pursue, go on and get a... I'm not against education. I am very much for it. I'm not against it. But I am against it whenever we as parents bring that above the spiritual maturity of our children and our home. Hello? That's not our primary goal. Our primary goal is to introduce them to Jesus. Our primary goal is to raise them in the Word of God. Our primary word is to teach them and disciple them and instruct them and give them biblical principles and look for those life-teaching moments that happen in our lives nearly every single day or week. To be able to drive home another biblical principle. Drive home another biblical principle. Why? Because we want our children and we want our families to grow in the Word of God. And to grow in in their spiritual life and have a more intimate relationship with the Lord. But sadly and unfortunately, a lot of parents, not so much for Victory Church. Matter of fact, I don't know if it's the case at all for Victory Church. But for a lot of churches, parents drive up, open up the door... Drop Johnny and Susie off, and they run in, and then they shut the door, and they go off and get a cup of coffee while Johnny and Susie gets their spiritual training at the Sunday school. You know, that happens a lot all across America in churches. Thankfully, that doesn't happen that much that I'm even aware of here at Victory, but unfortunately, it does happen. And guys, we've got to get engaged. But I'll tell you something that may happen here at our church that makes me a little concerned. I wonder... We come to church together as a family, and thank God for that. And we go to our different classes, and we have intentionally implemented what we call our D6 curriculum, where every single class from the nursery to the seniors are all studying the very same biblical theme for that week. But I wonder, and this may, is what maybe concerns me just a little, How often are we talking about that throughout the week as parents in our home? Could we all maybe do a little bit better in that area to be a little bit more intentional? You know, when little Johnny, when little Susie comes out of their Sunday school class and and we all get in the car and we go home, how quickly do we enter into a discussion about what they learned that day and about what they were talking? I know there's some of you that do. Some of you have sent me emails and reports and things, how you love D6, you love what's going on, and it's changed your family paradigm, and, and, what, and I, I'm rejoicing in that, and I'm very thankful for that. But I wonder, are we all doing that? Now, I don't know about you, I love sports. I love to watch football, I love to watch baseball, I love to watch college sports. I won't say anything about Duke and Clemson last night because we're going to get beat some more. I love sports. But guys, we can't be so quick... To jump into, when I talk about we're going to get beat some more, I'm not talking about Clemson getting beat. I'm talking about Duke's going to lose some more games. Yeah. We're so quick to jump into the sports statistics of the day. 
We're so quick to talk about Mark McGuire being the new batting coach for the St. Louis Cardinals and then we go back and we talk about his steroid use and all of that. You see, I enjoy talking about hearing all that stuff and, and I enjoy sports, but listen, we must be intentional about getting involved in the lives of our family members and our kids and talk about the spiritual aspects of their life. And especially as we work through this curriculum, D6, talking about that intentionally. You see, a lot of times before this type of curriculum we implemented was in place, all the different classes and we're studying all different, different lessons and different levels. And I mean, there's four or five different um, themes going on throughout the, throughout the day. And we leave here and we're almost on, on biblical overload. You know, we've had so much thrown at us. I mean, we've sat in our Sunday school classes and everybody was learning something different. Now we're all studying the Bible, but it's kind of different areas and different paces and different, different themes. And, and then we've come in and hear the preaching. It's on something different entirely. And, and so we're having to process, we have a hard time processing that much information. So what we've tried to do is to be strategic. To implement a strategy where we study one theme a Sunday. Matter of fact, we introduce that theme on Sunday morning. And then we're all studying the same devotional material throughout the week. That way, little Johnny's devotional material is going to line up with Daddy's devotional material. If he's in Daryl's Sunday school class, a little, or the dad is, and little Johnny's in, in one of the preschool classes, they're studying the same thing all week long. Therefore, they can engage together as father and son and talk about some of these things because they're studying the same thing together. I think that's awesome. Now, as soon as I get finished with this series, I'm going right back to preaching on the theme that we're studying together. And occasionally I break away from that, but I felt like this being the first of the year, I kind of need to lay the foundation for our church and the direction that we're going and what we're trying to build upon. But I want you to be aware of that. So therefore, when you leave now, you know that little Johnny, if you studied about Moses in your class, he studied about Moses in his class. And when you get together as a family, you've all studied about the same thing. So therefore, you can talk and you can start talking about some spiritual things together. Look in your Bibles in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4 says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Notice he says that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. The heart talks about our understanding. The soul talks about our will. The strength talks about our power and our ability and what we can do outwardly. You see, there's two attitudes on the inside and there's something physical on the outside. That's how we're to love God. And we're to pass that on down to our children. What is it that God wants us to do according to these verses? Now this, he's speaking to the children of Israel. One of the oldest commands in Scripture that he gives them. They're going into the new property, the new land that God has given them, the promised land. He's laying down some foundation for them so that they can be blessed in this new land. And this is one of the commands that he gives them. What is the first command? Jot this down in your notes, if you will. Number one, God wants us to build godly generations. He wants us to build godly generations. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. Verse 6, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. He says in verse 7, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. You see, the, the intent here 
is that we reach down to the next generation and we teach them godly principles and we teach them the commands of God and we teach them to love God. But I want you to notice where it all begins. Look, if you will, in verse six, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in whose heart your heart. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. You see, you're going to have a very difficult time passing down a godly heritage to the next generation if you're not living for God right now. If the words of God are not in your heart, how in the world are we going to pass it down to our children? How many has ever got called out in a rainstorm? In the past several weeks, you've had tremendous opportunity to be called out in a rainstorm. I remember I was, uh, we, we were out and... and Actually, it was last weekend and we were with my parents and we went out one evening. It was pouring down the rain and we're walking and only so many could get on the umbrellas. And so I gave one umbrella to my wife. I gave the other umbrella to my to my mother and I just went without an umbrella. You know, it didn't mess up my hair a whole lot to get wet. So I went without one. And man, when we got inside, we were just I was just drenched. I mean, dripping off of me. Guys, you know what? For our kids to be able to catch what we've got, to be able to get our attitudes in their heart and our principles in their heart and our godly beliefs and standards and convictions in their heart and our spiritual maturity in their life, it's going to happen when it just drips off of us. Just like we're soaking wet, caught out in the rain, and it just falling off of us. The same thing needs to happen whenever we're around our children. They just see godly principles just falling off of us. I mean, it just naturally just flows into them. They know what dad's going to do. They know what mom's going to say. Hello? They know that mom and dad's going to go back to this book and see what thus saith the Lord. I'm talking about for godly parents. And it's naturally, you see, you don't even have to force it. You really don't have to push it. It just kind of comes from the overflow. And it just oozes and falls all over the family. Why? Because this is where we live. This is what we do. This is who we are. And I guess the question is, we need to ask ourselves, and this may get a little hard, and I don't mean it to be hard. I mean it to be thought-provoking. But the question that we need to ask ourselves, and I wrote down several, are these. Number one, do I want my son or daughter, and we need to ask them, do I want my son or daughter one day to treat their wife or their husband the way that I treat my wife or your husband? Ask that. Do you want your children one day to treat their spouse the way you treat your spouse? Do we want them one day to have the same ethics, the same morals, the same character that I have? Do I want my son or daughter one day to have the same anger issues that I have? Do I want them to treat others the way that I treat them? Do I want them to read God's Word the way that I read God's Word? Hello, guys. What am, what am I trying to say? I'm saying for us to raise up a godly generation, for us to build a godly generation, it's got to begin in our hearts. And that's where Deuteronomy 6 begins. God says these words must be in, finish it for me, your heart. And so in order for us to raise up this generation, before they can catch what we have, it's got to be in our heart. I was telling someone the other day, and I forget the situation, the environment that I was in. But I remember making this statement, you can't fool a child. You just can't fool a child. 
You see, you may put on a mask and you may put on some uh, a fake smile or, or a fake character or a fake somebody and walk around among folks. But little Johnny, little Susie, they know who that really is walking around. You see, they know who we are at home when nobody's looking. They know what we're doing. You can't fool a child. And guys, you can't fool your, chi- fool your children. So what I'm trying to say is before we can build the next generation, the word of God has got to be in our heart. It's got to be in our heart and we must live that. Number two, God wants us to build not only godly generations, but he also wants us to build godly homes. I'll just hit this in passing. I want you to look in verses 10 down through verse number 19. I won't read it all. But he says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore unto your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill, fill them with. Wells dug that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, verse 12, he says, be careful and not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. I won't finish reading the text and expound on it a whole lot, but I do want to say this. Part of what we are to do is to build not only a a godly generation, and reach down and raise up a godly generation, but also to have a godly home. You see, what he reminded the children of Israel was this. You were down in Egypt, where you were eating garlic and leeks, and you were in slavery and bondage, and you were making bricks, and you had strenuous labor. He said, but now I've brought you into the promised land, and I'm bringing you into a beautiful environment, a beautiful land, With vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant or harvest. I mean, they're they're just there. With wells that you did not dig that are running over with water. With beautiful houses and homes and territory. He said, I've given you all of this. Don't forget me. I've blessed you with this. Boy, let's bring that into the year 2010. I think about my own personal life and I'm the one preaching. So I got to talk about myself because I don't know about your personal lives. But I think about my own life, and I think about who I used to be, and I think about what I used to be, and I think about the things that I used to do before I gave my heart and my life to Christ. You see, I think about, and for me, it was a type of Egypt. There was bondage to sin. There was slavery to sin. There was there was really no hope whatsoever in that life. I was in a miserable state. But boy, when I met Christ, things changed. And now there's hope. And you know what God is saying? Don't forget who's blessing you, son. Don't forget who's given you the things that you've got today. Don't forget who's filling your house. Don't forget who puts the gas in your car. Don't forget who puts the groceries in your cabinet. Hello? Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Listen, we got to remember that that God wants us to build a godly home. What He wants us to do is to remind our children and our family, look around, see everything we have today. It's all because of what God has done for us. Not what I have done for myself. This is a gift From God. And we need to praise Him. Amen? That's what He's wanting us to do. He's wanting us to be intentional to reach down and build a godly generation. But at the same time, He wants us to remember Him in our homes and have godly homes. You see, you may have a great career. You may have a great education. You may have a great job. You may have a beautiful home and really nice cars and nice clothes. And all all that's well and good. But listen... It was God who gave it to you. Whether you believe it or not, it's God who gave it to you. 
And what we need to do is turn that credit back up to Him and let our kids see, hey, mom and dad don't take the credit for this. They give it all to God. What is that? That's a godly home where He has preeminence. And Scripture teaches us in Colossians. He has the preeminence in our life and in our homes. So He wants us to build a godly generation. He wants us to build godly homes. And thirdly, He wants us to give godly answers. Look at verse 20 through 25 real quickly. In verse 17, he says, Carefully observe the commandments of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes that he's commanded you. Verse 20, When your sons ask you in the future, What's the meaning of the decrees and statutes and ordinances which the Lord our God has commanded you? Verse 21, he says, Tell him. You know what God is saying? God is saying what has taken place in my home and probably has taken place in your home. There's going to come a day And there's going to come a time when little Johnny or little Susie is going to stand up and say, Dad, why do you do what you do? Dad, why do you go to church? Dad, why were you baptized? Dad, why do you tithe? You see, that's what he's talking about. You see, in verse number 17, God told his people, remember the laws, the decrees, the statutes that I'm giving you. Why did he tell them to remember that? Because he knew it would influence the next generation. He said, because one day your son is going to ask you, Dad, why do you keep the laws? Dad, why do you keep the statutes? Dad, what are these ordinances about? And then he says in verse number 21, he says, now tell him. Tell him what? Tell him where you used to be and tell him where you are now. Paraphrase the rest of the verses. Tell him that one time you were down in Egypt, but God delivered you and brought you to the place you are today. I almost get a little excited right there, and I try not to get, I don't, want, I don't want to scare some of our more reserved brothers and sisters, but boy, that excites me a little bit. When I think about where I used to be, and I think about where I am today, and God says, tell them. said, one day they're going to ask, Dad, why do you do that? I'm going to tell him. Dad, why do you go to church? I'm going to tell him. Dad, why do you tithe? I'm going to tell him. Dad, why do you have those biblical principles? I'm going to tell him. Dad, why do you do what? You... I'm going to tell him. Amen? Guys, that's what it's all about. That's called raising a godly generation. That's called having a godly home. And that's also called, what's my third point? Giving a godly answer. Now, I don't want to meddle too much right here. i got to be careful. Now, I grew up in the South and... My homiletics professor taught me if you didn't meddle a little bit, you weren't doing a whole lot of preaching. you got to just put it in the lap, okay? And he talked about three different worlds that we need to preach in. One is the biblical world and kind of give the story of what's taking place in the biblical world. The second world he told us we need to preach in is the current world, what's taking place, and, and connect the two, the biblical world, to the year 2010. He said, but boys, you can't stop there. He said, because you're not preaching to the world of 2010, you're preaching to a congregation of people that's sitting in front of us. He said, you've got to preach in their world. And that's the world that people don't like me to get in a whole lot and talk about. And I've realized, boy, that's the world you get in trouble. You see, it's okay to talk about what the biblical world is and apply it to the, the world at large. But, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, don't you bring it into my world. I, you say, I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. So I started out preaching like that. Man, you wonder why I don't have any hair? There's a reason. I'm just kidding. But, guys, we've got to bring it into our personal lives. Let me ask you a few questions. I'm not trying to be mean, crude. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to think. 
Number one, has your children even come up and ask you, Dad, why do you read the Bible? And if not, have they ever seen you read the Bible? Have your children ever come up to you, Dad, why do you pray? Have they ever seen you pray? Well, Dad, why do you have that belief? Do we know the answers? Are we living the life? Do you get what I'm trying to say here? A lot of times we don't know the answers because we're not in the Word. And a lot of times we're not getting the questions because we're not living the life. Now, that's kind of preaching in your world a little bit, and I'm going to get out, I promise you. But I had to jump in and say that, and I'm going to jump right back out. But guys, we've got to live it. It starts with us. It starts with me. And it starts with you. And if we're going to raise a godly generation, if we're going to have a godly home, if we're going to give godly answers, it's got to be in our heart. It's got to be who we are. It's got to be what we do. Somebody say amen. He wants us to raise godly children. Well, how do we do that? I want to just give you five things in closing, how we... Some, maybe some answers to how we can give godly answers, how we can raise a godly home, how we can build a god, godly generation. It's the word child. And I'm going to hit these real quickly and I'm going to be done. Write down the first word, communicate. If you're going to raise a godly generation, if you're going to build a godly home, if you're going to give godly answers, then guys, we've got to communicate with our kids every single day. And I'm not talking about interrogating them. I'm talking about lovingly and kindly engaging in their life asking them some open-ended questions (laughs) there's a story i could tell you there i could tell you a bunch of stories at all these but i'll share one with you real quickly my son is so reserved i mean sometimes you gotta reach over there and feel his heart to make sure it's still beating he'll sit there and not say a word you don't even know if he's alive sometimes you still that yep he's still living he just doesn't say a whole lot my daughter, on the other hand, makes up for it. <laughs> uh, where's Kristen? She's not in here, is she? Whew, don't y'all tell her I said that. But I remember one time my wife and my son were in a discussion. And, and um, Debbie was kind of aggravated because he wasn't expounding on the subject. And she said, Tyler, why don't you talk? You're just giving me yes and no answers. Why don't you talk more and tell me? He said this, something to this effect. He said, Mom, you're not asking the right questions. She figured it out. Now she asked the right questions, man. We've got to ask some open-ended questions. We've got to ask some questions that, we can, that allow us to communicate with our kids. And we need to do that every single day. We need to let them know, hey, I care about you. I care about what's going on in your life. I care about your friends. I care about your activities. I care about these things. And we need to get engaged and communicate. And I'm amazed at how many parents and children just do not communicate. Especially when they get into adolescent teen years. Guys, you've got to be far more intentional. You've got to change your... Listen, here's something I've discovered, and I'm not trying to be James Dobson. He's a wonderful man. I've learned a lot from him. But here's one thing I have discovered. Your parenting skills and the way you parent have to change as you go through the, go through the years and as your children get older. You see, when mine were small, I just spanked them on the fanny and said, sit down. Dared them to get up. Maybe that, I know it's not politically correct to do that today. That was 
18, 19, 20 years ago, so maybe it was okay. I think it's biblical. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Bust that tail. You see, God put more padding back there. Why? Because that's where he's supposed to wear them out. (laughs) In love. (laughs) But you see, as they grew up, they're too big now to just bust their tail and tell them to sit down. That doesn't work anymore. I mean, I guess you could do it, but it ain't going to work. You're going to drive them away. You guys, you guys now, now I, I do more leading now. I do more sharing some biblical principles wrapped up in a way that they might know it's a biblical principle. Because you say, you know, the Bible says, oh, they just put up a wall, didn't they? So now you've got to say, let me just share with you this. And then you kind of implement a biblical principle. And then you walk away and say, by the way, later, do you realize that's what the Bible said? Oh, I didn't know that. You see, you see what I'm trying? I'm not an expert. My kids aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. I don't want you to think I'm way up here. My kids are way up here. No, 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 no. Listen, probably I'm below most of you. I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. What I am trying to say is we've got to be intentional to communicate with our kids every single day. The letter H, write this down, is help. Help your children with their problems. Help them. Parents need to be the source that kids can come to to find answers to their problems. They need to know you're there. They're going to have some problems. And sometimes we just need to be there to listen. Just help. Let them know you love them. You know, something we try to communicate to our kids, and I'm not saying we always communicate it great, but this is what we have attempted to communicate I'm always careful when I preach this because my kids aren't perfect. I want you to know that. I'm not a perfect daddy. We're not the perfect family. Please don't put us way up here. Please don't do that. Will you not say say that? We will not do that. Don't put me way up here. I'm not. I'm just down here. We're just figuring it all out together. But there's going to come a time when your children have a problem. And they need to know that you love them unconditionally. You know, we tried to share with our kids, I don't care what you've done. It had never changed my love for you. I don't care where you go. I don't care what you get involved in. I don't care what you do. You can always come home to a daddy and a mama that loves you unconditionally. You're my son. You're my child. I'll love you. I'll help you. I'll be there. I don't care. Now, over here, I want you to do what's right. But if you mess up, I still love you. And there's nothing that would change that. And we need to communicate to our kids because, you know what? They're going to mess up. You want me to tell you how I know? Because I was a kid one time, and I messed up. He, without sin, cast the first stone. We've all messed up. Our kids are going to mess up. And don't judge somebody else's kid when they do mess up. Yours are going to mess up. Mine are going to mess up. Y'all get me? Help your kids. And let them know that you love them unconditionally. There's not one problem they have in their life that they cannot bring to you. You're going to help them. The letter I is inspire them. Oh, boy, I love this one. Inspire them. Get them to dream big. Let them know that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. Let them know that they have every opportunity in the world to succeed in whatever it is they want to do. Inspire your children. Give them big dreams. 
Don't be a dream buster for your kids. Don't tell them no. Now, sometimes you've got to bring them back to reality. But the point is, inspire them to go on and achieve great things. Hello? Inspire your children. The letter L is lead. Lead your children. Now, lead certainly means influence. And to be very truthfully with you, lead does not always imply a positive direction. You see, they're going to lead in whatever direction you're going. And if we're not a going in the right direction, then we're going to lead them in the wrong direction. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, in your parenting, ask yourself, do I want my children to be like me? Do I want them to love their wife like I love my wife? Do I want them to treat their family like I treat my family? Do I want them to treat a stranger the way I treat a stranger? And lead by example. That's what I'm trying to say. Let them see your life. And lead your children. And then the letter D, dedicate. Dedicate your children to the Lord. Not when they're just real small and have that one-time baby dedication. Now, that's all well and good. I'm certainly not against that. But finish the statement. Dedicate your children to the Lord. When? I put on there every year. And then I got thinking, it needs to be every day. Dedicate your children to the Lord every single day. Give them to God. And realize that our kids are really just a gift that God has given us. And we are to steward them. He's given us the gift of being able to spend life with them and raise them to be used for His glory. So we're just stewards. Mom and Dad, you're just a steward. That child you have was birthed into this world. And I don't care how that child was conceived. God had a plan for that child. And that's his child. And he wants to use that child. So our job is to raise them in a way that when they get to be adults, they're ready to be used. Actually, they can be used of God as teenagers and young people. But you get my point. Just dedicate them every single day. I wonder as we have a song of invitation and every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let me ask you a few questions here. Parents, what are you doing in the home? My goal for you and my desire for you is that you would have a D6 family. That's my passion for you. That in your home, you see... One one sixty eighth is not enough. Should you be in Sunday school? Yes. Should you be in corporate worship? Yes. Should you be connected to a church family? Yes. But that one hour a week is not enough. You ask any parent sitting here today that's birthed a child into this world, that's raised them through the baby years, infant stages, into the toddler years and two-year-olds three and four and on into the elementary years and from the elementary years into the junior high years and from the junior high years into the high school year and then comes that day when they graduate high school walk across that across that stage get their diploma and take off for college or military or life in general whatever it may be every single parent that's going through that i believe would say just as i say Boy,
I remember when it was just yesterday that we were in Hickory, North Carolina. On April the 12th, 1990, and my wife gave birth to my son. Boy, I was so proud of him. I came running out of that room and showed him to my family through the windows. This is my boy. This is my baby boy. That boy turns 20 in April. Away at college. You want me to tell you what I'll tell you? Those years go by so fast. So fast. And there is not enough time to waste. We must be intentional in building a godly generation and raising a godly home and giving those godly answers. And pouring our life into our kids. They go by so fast. My desire is for you today. As a family. To make a commitment. That God with your help today. I'm going to take the leadership in my home. Maybe some dads need to make this decision. And I'm going to instill some biblical values in my family. I'm going to reach down into the life of my kids and I'm going to be intentional about their spiritual life and growth. Maybe some dads need to surrender to being a D6 dad today. Maybe some moms need to surrender to being a D6 mom today. If you're here today and you feel like God is dealing with your heart, and I want to ask you right now to just make that decision. As a matter of fact, I want to do this. And this may be a little bit out of the norm. But I just feel impressed with the Lord to do this. If God has spoke to your heart today. And you want to be a D6 dad and a D6 mom. And you want to be a D6 family. And you want to raise godly kids and a godly generation. And a godly home and give godly answers. I'm going to ask you in just a moment after I pray when they sing just to get up out of your seat, to come forward and come up here by me and then I want to lead us in a prayer together. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's where it begins because it's got to be in your heart. He must be. He being crossed in your heart. I invite you to come this morning and we'll help you in a prayer of salvation to receive Christ as your Savior. If you'd like to join this church family, We've got a membership class scheduled. Daniel's going to say more about that in a moment. But I invite you to attend our membership class if you feel like God is leading you this way. But let's be intentional about raising a godly generation and building a D6 home. Father, God, we thank you for this time together. And dear Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to speak to hearts this time. God, this is, your word is so powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. God, help us, God, to surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray.